want to make a podcast, let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters. And it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. You're listening to the Afterburn Podcast, episode number 32. Part of why I actually enjoy the sport, though, is because of the danger level. I like the adrenaline that it produces. In the last decade, you know, we have had drivers killed, and like that, it's very, very sad. But those guys love what they're doing and like i love what i'm doing so like if if that's the way i'm going out you know what i had a smile on my face right hello and thanks for listening in i'm your host john waters call sign rain i'm a former air force f-16 pilot now flying the triple seven around the world and host of this podcast the afterburn podcast before we get rolling in today's episode just want to give a shout out to all my patreon supporters and saying thanks they've helped this podcast grow and expand and their support has made all of this possible. If you're looking to support the show and looking for some additional content, you can swing over to patreon.com backslash the afterburn podcast. Also, thanks to all those who've just taken the time to go over to iTunes and leave a rating review that helps the show grow as well. With that being said, let's get into the episode. Hey, Connor, man. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Happy to have you here. Something a little bit different for those listening. You are a professional race car driver. So, Need for speed and everything like that. But before we kind of get rolling to the podcast, I always ask guys just kind of give a 30-second elevator pitch of who you are and what you're doing and kind of how you got there. Yeah, so I'm I'm Connor Daly. Um, I am a driver in the NTT IndyCar Series. Uh, I've been racing. I'm, I'm 29 years old now. I've been racing since, uh, since I was 10 years old uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and, and yeah, I've been in IndyCar for uh, on and off since 2013. Pretty lucky to be able to uh, to be doing it for sure. How did you get involved in it? So my my dad was a driver as well, and and my mom worked at the racetrack. So my mom worked at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. My dad was uh, was was an Irishman. He he raced in Formula One uh, for several years. Came over to do the Indy Five Hundred. Never left. Met my mom at the track. Um, moved to Indiana, um, and. Realistically, he was he, he was racing, and everyone asked, "Oh, what was it like to see your dad racing?" Well, my dad retired, but I was born, so I, I never I never really got to see him race. Um, but I always heard about it, and he got right into TV broadcasting right after that. So I was always always around racing, um, and my dad never really forced it upon me. Never really, you know, presented it like, "Hey, you got to do this." But, uh, you know, a situation came across where our neighbor wanted to go go-kart racing and we decided that that was, 
I was going to go out there and give it a shot. And, and really the rest was history. So I, I, I had a lot of racing influences around me, you know, as I grew up. Yeah. So getting into racing is not necessarily an easy thing, right? It's, it's a building block approach. So go-karting is kind of the first step, but can you kind of describe the process from, Hey, being a little kid to getting involved in go-karting to then driving an Indy car? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gets serious very quickly. Like you say go-karts and you think, oh, Mario Kart, this is hilarious, whatever, you know what I mean? But like, there are very serious levels of go-kart racing, even from when you're, you know, young. And, and, and it's almost like any other sport. You know, if you want to be the best basketball player or football player, like you're probably going to be pretty competitive at a young age and playing in these leagues or travel. I remember travel soccer teams were really big when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like people were playing these games at a high level because they want to go to middle school to play high school, college. Um, and it's the same way in racing. So, you know, we were, we were, we were competitively racing go-karts and, you know, as a kid, you don't really, like I was very serious about it, but you don't, you don't, it's not like it's your job yet. You're not making money off of it. You're like, this is like, well, you know, if I, I want to be a professional, there's a lot of levels to go through. You know what I mean? It's, and it's like any other sport, you know, when I was 15, I got into race cars for the first time. They were small race cars, not a lot of horsepower, not a lot of aerodynamic, you know, capability. And, you know, if I won that, you go to the next level, a little bit bigger car, a little bit faster car, a little bit more aerodynamic capability. And there's kind of like three or four levels before you actually even get to the top level of IndyCar uh, or Formula One. Um, and so, you know, I, I went through all those and, and, and won, won two of the three championships on the way to IndyCar. Um, which was great and, and went to Europe as well to try and pursue Formula One. So I've, I've done, you know, I, I got to do a lot before I was even, you know, 20 years old, just because we were kind of on a very steep trajectory, uh, which is great, but it, but it takes a lot of years. I mean, when you, when you think of starting at age 10, you know, by age 21 was my first, you know, Indy 500, my first professional, like top level motor racing event where like I could make money. So it's a long journey to, to get there, but, but, you know, definitely worth it. Where is that threshold of crossing over to making money at racing versus being a hobby or something fun to do it? Well, I mean, no, it, it, it's not a hobby for anyone at, at our level, for sure. I mean, it, it, yeah. you know, it's a profession. It's a, it's the top level, but, it, but the making money part of it is, is definitely, if there was a book about it, everyone would read it, but the, no one's figured out how to do it. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's not like it, how it used to be, you know, motorsport in the seventies, eighties, nineties was huge and drivers were making big money. And you'd be, you know, instead of NBA contracts, they're talking about, you know, racing contracts and it's changed obviously a little bit now, you know, the stick and ball sports for sure. Take the, you know, take the cake when it comes to TV ratings and sponsorship and money. But, uh, but realistically, yeah, when you get to IndyCar, when you, when you're in formula one, you know, there is money to be made because you're on a, you know, world stage, you're on, um, you know, you're, you're working with your sponsors, partnerships, doing business with people. Um, and, and that's when it all gets, you know, quite serious. I know because you and I were talking when we flew together and just kind of explaining to me, and obviously this is a profession, right? You don't just like hop in. It's not a hobby. Like what? Going into a race season or even like a race coming up to a race weekend, what does that week look like for the team? Like, I mean, what is going on behind the scenes to make you and the car ready to go out there and win? Well, I think motorsport in general is without a doubt the, the 
easily most misinterpreted sport ever because when you turn on your TV and you see us, you know, on road courses or street courses or going in circles at the Indy 500, you know what I mean? It, it looks like that's it. Like, well, they come in for pit stops and there's a couple guys slinging tires and maybe they're refueling, you know what I mean? But they're, we, we do this stuff every day. We, we work every day to try and, you know, be elite athletes on the driver's side, but also we have whole engineering teams working through, you know, we're at, we're at the wind tunnel as much as we can be, you know, I, in two days, I'll be at the simulator in Charlotte. Um, you know, we're at the simulator, which is a full on, you know, car, very, very similar to I'm sure flight simulators as well, you know, full chassis, uh, that moves, uh, you know, we've got seat belts that tighten to, to simulate, you know, the, the G loads. Um, we use our real steering wheel in the simulator that we use in the race car. And, you know, we've got teams of engineers that, that go through every bit of data. You know, we have hundreds of sensors on the car, tires, every piece of suspension. Um, you know, what, what angle is everything at at all times? How much, how much aerodynamic load is each part of the wing generating? Um, all of that stuff is, is very, very important. And, you know, for us as drivers as well, Indy cars right now are physically the most demanding, I think, machines to, to, to operate in the world because, there's just nothing else like it. We don't have power steering. Uh, it's 140 degrees in the cockpit now, which is very, very hot. And it's, it's, it's something that we are, you know, I just, I posted my heart rate data from our, our race in St. Petersburg, Florida, just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, we're, we're Mac, you know, for two and a half hours, your max heart rate is 187 and you're averaging 158. I mean, that's, that's 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 heart rates that that marathoners have and, and 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 Tour de France cyclists, you know what I mean? And so there's there's a lot there that we have to be prepared for. You know, I just got back from, you know, an hour and a half to the gym and I plan on riding the bike for another two hours this afternoon. So there's like there's stuff every day that we are doing as drivers on the physical side, but also on the business side. You know, we're doing this right now. I gotta go to the shop later for an engineering meeting to try and figure out, okay, hey, look, we got a race next week. But there's this, that, and whatever. What's our what's our start setup going to be? What are our changes going to be that we're going to make for the first couple practice sessions? Um, there's there's just there's just an endless amount of information that you know if you want to be a professional you got to you just got to just soak yourself in that information um, because if you're not doing it someone else is doing it um, and 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 that's what like I always just tell people like don't judge racing ever by like what you see on TV like. We, we produce a great product on TV. I think our racing is great, but to really know what it's like, you just, you just can't judge it from what you see. Just talk to someone, ask a question, or, you know, hopefully at some point we get, you know, even more um, exciting TV broadcast features to where maybe we can like live broadcast what our body is doing at the same time. You know what I mean? So there, there's a lot that comes with this sport that people just don't know about. And it's our job to kind of, you know, to get it out there. The um, one thing, so I know you're not driving for them anymore, but the one opportunity I got was with your previous, I think, employer to go behind the scenes and see what's going on at the shop. And I think they had five cars, but I mean, you know, it's a floor of engineers who are working on stuff, CAD drawings, CNC machines down on the floor and just armies of mechanics that are working around uh, year round to make these things the best. Right. And I know, and then there's another place, right. They're studying race tracks and aerodynamics and figuring out lines and stuff that, yeah, to me, I mean, it's a full on operation. And I equate it to, you know, I mean like being a fighter pilot, 
it's kind of along the same lines, right? Like you're the guy sitting in the cockpit, but there's an army behind you to get that jet airborne and you see it fly for a little bit, but it's really all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes for years to get to that point. Even it even goes back further than that. Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, that that's what makes this partnership like with the U S air force. So cool. Is like you, you, you know, you're doing your job of, of flying and, and being able to, you know, engage with potential enemies. Right. And then, but, but you've got a whole team of people that are making sure that that's possible for you to do. Right. And, and it's the same thing for us. You know, we have so many people that are working and there's so much, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, all this, the STEM stuff that people like people spoke so, so much on these days, there's, there's so much of that in the air force, but also in racing as well, which is, which is very, you know, it kind of, it goes together quite well. Um, which is, which is really cool. And our cars sort of look like fighter planes every now and then. So it's it's really cool to kind of see that synergy. And after, you know, flying with you and flying with the Thunderbirds, I mean, it's, 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 I see a lot of similarities that are, that are really, really cool. Now it's also, how many calories do you burn in a race? So it's like 1800 to 2200. Yeah, that's insane. We lose, I've lost, I lose up to like, 16 pounds a race just with pure you know pure water weight and all that stuff which is pretty crazy that that's insane i mean i'm not a exercise physiologist or scientist or doctor for that matter but that's a lot that you're i mean you got to be just completely drained at the end of that i would imagine yeah i mean honestly i, I equate race like a, a race is a true battle like it is right now to our cars like it's a it's a little bit surprising because we're we're still the aero screen that we have on the car and the new safety elements that we have are different for us. So we've only you know we only did about like a, a few, not as many venues last year, obviously in the 2020 season because it was affected by COVID. But like some of the venues now, you know, and and the temperature changes, it, it's making things really challenging for us. And and I I mean, y- you looked at one of the drivers who won in St. Petersburg, Colton Herta. They uh, they showed his hands at the end of the race, and there's like holes in his hands from blisters. And like, I used to get those. I don't get them anymore. But like, not only are your hands like peeling apart, you're getting blisters. Your your my elbows are usually bleeding after the races. Like, there's just there's so much that happens that by the end of it, you're just like, all right, well, we made it. You know what I mean? And so that's 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 it's it's hard to see many other sports that that really do that much to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's if you don't have any issues on the track. I mean, I think recently too, you had a little scare, uh, flipped upside down, but it's a dangerous business because you're cruising around going pretty fast, low to the ground. I attached the ground with a lot of things around it. So, um, yeah, it's sporty. What goes on, man? When, when to me, that's gotta be probably a surreal event, right? Like I've had some emergencies and issues, uh, but nothing like that. But I know for me, every time like of a brake fail, I had a brake failure and like time slowed down for me. Right. But in my mind, I'm like, this is not good. This is not good. I really want to stop. And this is going to end poorly. Uh, yeah. What's going on in your mind when that stuff's happening? Well, I mean, obviously, like like we don't crash often for sure. Like, you know, we, we definitely have more days, you know, on the track where it goes OK and you're not hitting anything than yeah. than off. You know, like I can. I can count on one hand in the last, you know, decade, how many times that I've had a crash, right. Which is, which is great. But you know, when it does happen, um, for some reason in my career, anytime I have had a crash, it's been quite extravagant and massive. So 
I, I, don't, I don't know why that happens, and I'm a showman. A bit upsetting, but um, but yeah, you know, part of why I actually enjoy the sport though is because of the danger level. I like the adrenaline that it produces. I like the fact that you know when I watched drivers growing up, I was like, those guys are are heroes. Like, because when I, you know in IndyCar, you know we in the last decade you know we we have had drivers killed and like that it's yeah. it's this it's very very sad but part of what part those guys love what they're doing and like i love what i'm doing so like if if that's the way i'm going out you know what i had a smile on my face right so like i yeah. love doing this and i love being able to you know compete at a high dangerous level because not only does it produce that extra bit of adrenaline but i think it's cool and i like and, and, and it's a great you know, I think I think that's why people used to watch racing so much is because it was like, this is crazy stuff, and they're going so fast, and and it's and it's very dangerous, and without a doubt, we st- we still are probably the most dangerous sport that's out there. But um, yeah, but it's, I mean, it, 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 it's it's been really it's been really enjoyable for me to be a part of, and it's been enjoyable to see the safety advances that we've had as well in the, in the last decade. Well, it's like anything. I mean, there's always risk, right? And in that sport, you're going fast, right? And there's things that you can hit and bad things can happen, but it's like flying planes. It's like, I don't know, I was saying you're going to get killed. I mean, the chances of you driving to work, you have a probably higher probability of getting killed, right? With some dude running a red light. And that'd be one hell of a way to go, you know? But yeah, at least if you can go out doing what you love, <laughs> be a little exactly. bit better. We We have such a great team of people that are that are working on safety stuff though as well that like i mean if you look at the progress we've made in the last 10 15 years i mean indycar has done such a great job you know we, i mean we essentially have fighter jet canopies now you know what i mean so like yeah. we've got stuff that is is very very high level um which makes us feel safer makes the drivers with you know families feel much better um but yeah i, I don't have a lot of concern for my own personal safety so i don't really mind <laughs> What are some of the safety changes that, because you mentioned earlier, they've changed this season for the cars, modifying, and what are some of those changes? So basically, it's it's not this season in particular, but really the 2020 and 20, I kind of lumped 2020 and 2021 together because 2020 yeah. just felt weird. But we have uh, the, the most dangerous wrecks that we have are impacts to the head, right? Because all we've got is just our helmet. But if you hit something at 200 miles an hour, it could be this big and, and it's, and it's going to do a lot of damage. So, um, so basically the, the fighter jet canopy type development went into play and, and we've got, you know, this, this, uh, basically like a bulletproof glass type canopy, uh, with equipped with a, a halo that kind of basically is just another, element to the cockpit that adds sturdiness but it adds you know basically it completely protects our head um against anything and 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 they've you know they've done a great job with it it's it's taken a lot because obviously it used to be you know super open cockpit car we feel the wind in our face everything now it's all enclosed and and there's a few drawbacks with it like the heat um because we don't have air conditioning in the car um and there's only so much air you can funnel in there and if it's just hot air well it's not doing a lot either. Um, so yeah, so that, so there's, you know, we have one, the way to get out of the car is still right out the top of the canopy. It's not entirely sealed, but I mean, that's, it's been a huge development. I mean, that's, that's adding, you know, you add about 70 pounds of, of 70 pounds of safety stuff 
right on top of the cockpit, which is uh, which is a lot, but but it does its job, and and it's been it's already I think been somewhat successful. Yeah, does that affect visibility or performance at all? So visibility wise, it doesn't do anything. You do, you barely even notice it. Um, performance wise, it it has changed the balance of the cars for certain drivers more so than others me in particular i i'm very struggling a lot because you change the center of gravity when you add 70 pounds right above the drivers the the car now reacts differently and i it has really been a killer for me i have we have not yet figured out how to uh, mechanically get to the right level um to so so we can you know perform at the highest level but you know, some people, you know, you I, I looked last year, our first year with the aero screen, and you see a guy like Simon Pagano, who's won the Indy 500, won the IndyCar Championship. The guy was qualifying like last every race, like dead last. And you're like, well, he didn't forget how to drive, you know what I mean? But there's this new element now that we've got to work with. And I think there's several drivers who it, it affects more than others. And and that's that's only been the, you know, we're not going slower overall. But it's just changed the way the car works. And I mean, when you're racing, you got someone in your ear, right? Who's obviously watching the performance of the vehicle, how fast you're going, what everyone else is doing, right? But because you're moving around ballast, and I'm probably I am completely butchering these terms, right? But like your steering wheel, again, what now what do you call it? It's not just a steering wheel. wheel. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But I mean it's it's decked out with buttons and switches because you're doing a lot of things other than just turning the vehicle and, and the car around the track, right? Yeah. We have a few in, in, like in cockpit adjustments. We've got uh, anti-roll bars front and rear, so we can adjust the stiffness of the front and the rear of the car. Uh, we can adjust the brake bias as well. Uh, on ovals, we can move weight from the right front tire to the left front tire, um, just changing the cross weight of the vehicle. Uh, and that's, you know, that's quite helpful. So we can make those adjustments, but as drivers, you kind of run out of those pretty quickly because if it's if it's not doing what you want to do, you're at the max on all those tools, just trying to get it to get it to go better. <laughs> and I mean, you're doing that. I mean, that's probably that's a constant thing as the weight. Because how much fuel how much fuel weight is in the car when it's topped out? That's a great question. It's it's eighteen point six gallons. Um, okay. So that's a full tank. So it's 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 heavy. I, I don't know how yeah. much that weighs, but it's heavy. Yeah, probably 100 pounds, but you're probably feeling that weight change and the car performance change as you're burning fuel throughout the race, right? Absolutely. So that, that's been a big thing as well with this aero screen is the fact that because of the added weight, you're making the suspension work a little bit harder. You're making the tire work a little bit harder. So for me on, on heavy fuel, it also it also really tightens up the steering as well because the car is just heavier. So there's a lot that changes from like right now something that we're trying to work on is our speed on heavy fuel because the car is really really difficult to drive for me on heavy fuel load but as we get lighter we keep going a little bit quicker and then by the time we get to the end of the stint when the car is lighter our car works much better so we have to figure out a way to get what works when our car is a little bit lighter to also function when the suspension is taking absolute maximum load um, which has been a real challenge for us, honestly. So Indy 500, like how many times will you pit to get fuel and change tires? So Indy 500, that, that's our longest race, 500 miles, 200 laps. Uh, it, it's, it's a six stopper, five, six stops. Um, so it's, you know, our, our stints are roughly, 
roughly 30, 35 laps ish, depending on tire life. Um, so yeah, so uh, thankfully ovals are a little bit better dealing with that weight issue. Uh, road courses are a lot harder when it comes to the full tanks and, and light tanks, but uh ovals once you have new tires and a full tank of fuel you feel great because new tires are the best on ovals <laughs> i'm assuming every time you go in there you're taking full fuel load maybe not a lot but it's like because you're not really thinking about performance right it's just the legs and the minimize the number of times you got to roll into the pit stop exactly yeah every time you're pitting you're getting a full tank of fuel just be unless it's like at the end of the race and you you're trying to short fill like sometimes strategically it can work out to where you might have to pit with just 10 laps to go. And so they're only just going to fill you up with about one second of fuel or two seconds of fuel. Cause it takes about to get 18.6 gallons or 18.4 gallons. It takes six seconds. So it's a, it's, they're firing a lot of fuel into the car. And so they can just basically have the fueler go in for, they, they time how much fuel they need in one to two seconds. And they basically just, I, I had this happen once when I was leading my a race rookie year. I was leading. We needed only two seconds of fuel. And they basically just hit the fueler with a broom on the back to pull out when, when, that, <laughs> when he knew that's, that's how much he needed. So that, that it can get to that type of situ- situation as well. Yeah, just keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, we'll get the brooms out. <laughs> what is the toughest aspect for racing for you? I think right now the, the toughest thing for sure – is the business side. Uh, the, the, the business side, when you think about it, right, there's 365 days in a year. We only race on 17 of those days. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to, you know, to think that that's, that's what's going on. And so you got to be able to build your brand. You got to be able to represent for your sponsors and partners so they can keep making it happen because racing is an expensive game to play. Um, you know, these teams, there's, there's major companies involved because they're, they're using it, you know, as a successful marketing platform. You know, I have the U S air force, which has been part of a successful program now for like four years, but we want to keep that success going. You know what I mean? We want to be, we want to make sure that it doesn't get old. We want to make sure that it's, you know, continually, um, you know, uh, getting a return on the investment. So I think that that's probably the hardest part now. And, and, and then for me as a driver, like, I would say 90, 95% of the game now is business and it's 5% driving, but the 5% driving part has definitely right now I'm, I'm, it's personally annoying because of how the car has changed and all of my strengths as a driver, when I was a rookie, 2016, 2017, all of my strengths are now my weaknesses with this new car. So it's, it's, it's just a, it's been a it's been a weird mental journey to kind of get through that because all the stuff that I used to be good at and I knew I was strong at and then the race race pace and stuff like that it's changed a little bit so I've had to work on a lot of stuff over the last couple of years to make sure that you know I keep growing and developing as a driver as well. Do you have any mentors or is it like you know the tech lead or who like anyone to like help you out and kind of guide you and? you know, d- deal with the business management stuff or like how much are you carrying on your shoulders? I imagine it's a lot. I was doing most of it, I, I, everything pretty much for, for a while, but I do, um, I work with a, like a, like a mental coach now every week. Uh, we have a driver coach at the team as well, who focuses on everything driving wise. 
Um, and, and then, and I do have a manager or an agent slash manager now who does help on the business side. Um, because it was time to do something like that. It was, it was time in my career where I was like, look, I'd rather focus more on the driving side than the business side, but I couldn't really afford to pay anyone to do that. Um, so now, you know, it, it was like, it was time to so look, all right, it's, it, this is going to be worth it to kind of bring this team together. And, um, it's been, it's been good. Another aspect. So, I mean, I watched the Formula One series on Netflix, which was awesome. And I know Indy and Formula One, different things, right? For the lay person. But the interesting aspect I found was just most of the drivers, it seems maybe it was like the documentary itself built up, but like hated one another. I mean, do you guys, is it just stiff competition and don't want to talk yeah. to one another or how does it work? Well, I think racing is probably, racing is probably one of the most selfish sports that's out there because when you're out on the racetrack, I mean, you literally have to be completely focused on how you make your race better. And that might be screwing someone else. You know what I mean? Like there could be situations where you have to be super annoying to make sure that your, you know, your race works out well. Um, so it, it's hard, man. Like I, I think there are more friendships and more camaraderie in IndyCar than Formula One because Formula One is very, you know, it's just, it's very clicky. It's very like, it's very European. Like everyone hates everyone. And, and in America, everyone's way nicer. Like I, when I was racing in Europe, they hated us because we were nice people. And yes. so I, I, I think that's, you know, that, that was something that was, that was really, really tough to deal with when I was living in Europe. But it made me appreciate America a lot more when I got back here, um, because I think our our camaraderie and our sportsmanship in IndyCar is 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 is, is, is at a great level. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have no friends when you're on the track for sure, because you got to be willing to you know to ruin someone else's day to make sure that you can get your win, because that's what it's all about. It's it's all about results in the end of the day, and 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 you got to get them no matter what it takes. Yeah, I imagine too. The other aspect is the pressure of performing, because if you don't perform well, I mean, sponsors are going to start raising eyebrows. Like, how do you deal with that stress and manage that aspect? Because I do think that translates across multiple disciplines, right? But that's a pretty high pressure, high stress deals. If you don't go out there and win, people are going to be asking questions. I think the the most difficult part about that though is you can never be honest either, because. There, there could be problems in the race, right? That that are might not be the driver's fault. Maybe the team had a bad pit stop. Maybe they dropped the wheel. But you can't say that publicly because then that looks terrible for you on the team. And and you would never say that anyway because you want to have your guys on your side. And so you know you could you could have had a mechanical problem that you're not allowed to talk about because of you know Chevrolet or whatever engine manufacturer you drive for. And so when you get to the end of the race and you got all the Twitter warriors out there like, oh well, Connor had a terrible day, and I was like. Well, I might have been driving around with 80% power for the whole time, but I would never say that. You know what I mean? So like yep. there's there's a lot of things that can happen that people will never know. And, and and they just and they can't know. And if I wrote a detailed explanation on our first three races of the season, people will be like, oh wow, so that's what happened. It's like, yes, but I'm I'm not gonna go out there and write four tweets out and say, like, hey, this is what happened every stint. This is why we didn't do well here. Um, because you just can't. So you have to lie to everyone and just be like, Hey, we're going to be positive and move forward. And, and that, and that it is what it is, which is, which is totally fine. I mean, like it's, it's whatever, you know, it's whatever works to maintain, you know, the, the, the team spirit, the morale, 
um, you know, that that's the most important stuff. Well, you know, it's not even like lying, right? I think yeah. it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's lonely. It's lonely at the top. And the yeah. further you're up the food chain, the lonelier it is, right? Because you're going to be the one who just sucks up the blows, right? Like when yeah. things go wrong, well, guess what? It's your fault. When things go great, it's the team's success. If, if I think, I think it's most successful teams, right? Like you got to protect your guys because in the end, that thing is not getting gas put in it, right? Without a team, you know, at the pit stop. So it's, that's challenging, you it know? It is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting game. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that like, I, you know, I'll see some drivers, you know, say some stuff after the race and I'm just like, well, I really know what happened and that's yeah. not what happened. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I, I usually get in trouble for being honest. Cause like, I like letting people know like what's going on. Like I think, drivers that are pretty real with our fans like fans like that they like to see like what's actually going on like we don't want to just hear this well you know we had a tough day and we can't wait for next weekend it's like well why was it a tough day like well i would love to know you know what i mean and i, I like yeah. i like sharing that with people just because it gets them you know into a deeper level of understanding you know, that's a different dynamic too that exists in this world with social media and the fact that everyone is connected or just one or two taps away from connecting to the person behind the wheel or whatever it might be that never has never existed before. And you're you're active on social media. And I imagine probably most drivers are these days. But yeah, how do you manage? Do you read the comments? Do you respond to them? Or what are you just in one ear, out the other, depending on what it is? No, I, I I do like to read everything. I try to I try to pay attention to stuff because it's good to it's good to engage with people. Um, but uh, but obviously there's a, there's a certain point. Usually it's Twitter. Like if it's been a rough day, I won't go through any of them at all. Don't care. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I, I I I've got a really supportive fan base. It's been really cool to see you know a lot of great fans and and people support my career. So like I would like to interact with them. So I I, I don't mind at all. I think social media right now is also of maximum importance when it comes to what your sponsors are looking at, what your partners are trying to, you know, gain success out of. So you got to always pay attention to it, even if it could be rough, but most of the time it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you're, we're going to kind of wrap up here because I know you got to get out to the track, but I do want to ask you just a few more questions. Yeah. So easy one, uh, favorite race. What do you like the most? You know what, man? There's nothing like the Indy 500. It's just, All right. I mean, you saw it. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> there's just nothing like it. I, I think the magnitude, I mean, it's, and, and even this May, it's going to be the largest event in the world again, you know, at post COVID. So it's, it, it's going to be awesome to, you know, see people out there again. Um, but a couple other ones that I think are, are, are really, really cool are Long Beach, California street race. Um, and I love St. Petersburg, Florida as well. We've got some great street races and, we have a new street race this year in Nashville, which I think yeah. could be fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm not a Nashville guy. I've not been there a lot, but like I know people party there. So like if we're bringing yeah. a motor racing event, maybe some music, it could be exciting. So there, there's a lot of cool stuff on our schedule, thankfully. Yeah, I have a feeling that you're going to like Nashville. Just knowing you a little bit, I think you're going to like Nashville. I think it's going to be your scene. So that would <laughs> <laughs> be a pretty good race. Uh, so Indy 500 that's coming up. This episode will drop. People will be listening to it right before the Indy 500 happens. For me, that was my first experience going up there, and I'll say, I mean, that was a wild time and a wild race. Like it's just so many people. It's awesome experience. 
Uh, it's got to be surreal. You run in the Indy 500 just based on your you know dad's background, your upbringing, being Indiana boy, right? It, it truly is, man. I mean, the Indy 500, I, I, I almost get emotional thinking about it a lot of the times because it is, it's such an incredibly just immersive event. Like I'm, I, you know, next week I move into the track in a motorhome for three weeks. You know what I mean? I, I, I stay there the whole time. Like most of the drivers live in the, mo- in the, in the buses from like before the Indy Grand Prix to the Indy 500. Um, you know, we've got two races at the speedway during that month of May, the road course, then the Indy 500 stuff. So it's just, it just means a lot, you know, in my house, you know, right behind me, I've got, you know, every, every year, the Indy star local newspaper prints out the, the, the grid sheet of all the cars in color. And I've got every single one from every Indy 500 that I've been a part of. And, um, just because I just think it's so special to be a, a part of that group of 33, you know, there's. There's 7 billion people in the world and only 33 of us get to suit up every year for the Indy 500. So it's, it feels like a really cool, um, you know, honor to be a part of. I love the history. Um, I love representing for the U S air force on Memorial day weekend. I mean, that's just, it's something that is, I will never forget in my career 20 years from now. I mean, it's just like this, these years are, are, are very, very special. And, um, but it also makes you want to win even more. I mean, I, I think we, we tested there a couple of weeks ago, and I was fastest on one day and we were never out of the top 10. And I was like, man, like it's, it's so, it's just invigorating to be competitive at Indianapolis. Like if you just, you just feel like everything feels great when you're going fast at, at Indy. So it's, it's, it's just the best. How, how many times do you get to practice at Indy? Since you're moving in three weeks early, you're going to get a, I mean, do you get a run every day or how does that look? So basically we, uh, the Indy Grand Prix is like, is, is a short weekend. It's, it's, uh, it's like May 15 weekend, but we, we practice and qualify on the Friday race on the Saturday. We have Sunday off and then Monday off and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're practicing. So four days in a row, Saturday, Sunday, we then qualify. And I believe we have another practice day the Monday after qualifying. So we do have a lot of time in the car, basically five more days of practice than any other race that we have all during the year because Indy is so difficult. It's so challenging to figure out what you need for that race. And because we have so much practice though, I think it does create a better, you know, it it gives us an opportunity to create the best race possible come Memorial day. Is it, is it the length of the race? Is that why it's the toughest or is it the track? It's, it's the track going so fast for so long it, it's just the ca- cars at 230 and 220 miles an hour it's just everything is and, and depending on the temperature too we're looking at temperatures all throughout the day you know it starts cool your car feels great it gets hot and then it feels terrible and then how do we make it feel good when it's terrible in the heat you know what i mean so there's there's so many different variables that you can make adjustments for your car could feel completely different at 11 a.m compared to 4 p.m you know what i mean and you might not have changed a single thing but you have to have all that information come race day because we don't know what temperature it's going to be race day when it when when we have the first you know first practice day first couple practice days so so there's a lot of information that we got to have that we basically just have to put together at the end of the day and say I think this is the right move and and you hope that on race day you put all the right puzzle pieces together yeah got to love the one you're with i meant yeah. to ask you too in the beginning how many people are on your team so there's about uh, 25, um, basically 25 guys, I think, per car, including engineers, including support people. So it's 
it, it, I'd say 20. We've got, we've got about 50 people employed at the shop for running two cars full time. And there's a little bit of extra because we run three cars at Indy. So it's about, I, I'd say 40 to 60 people during the month of May for sure. Cause the month of May is the busiest. Gotcha. All right, Connor, I know you got to go to the race. Last question is, man, I always ask uh, dudes and dudettes, you know, if you found 15, 16 year old Connor walking on the street, if there's any advice or tips you'd give him? That's a great question. I, I often, I often say sometimes it's a bit negative. I said, focus on sponsorship earlier or like, or, or <laughs> focus on, uh, you know, focus on, 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 you know, the business side early on, because I think it pays off so much, you know, out the back end, but yeah. And, 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 and just, and, and believe what people tell, like if there's a coach or if there's a guy that is probably pretty well known and smart, you should probably believe what he's saying about what you have to do because it takes a lot of work to be a professional, more work than you think. And you have to be willing to do that. Good. Sage advice, man. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing your race, man. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the Indy. It's now it's got a special place in my heart now too. So I love that race. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, I appreciate it. We're very excited about the rest of this year. It's going to be good. Awesome. Drive safe, man. Drive fast. Thank you. Thanks for listening for today's episode. Again, swing over to iTunes, leave a rating or review. And if you're interested in supporting the show, patreon.com backslash the afterburn podcast. Again, that's patreon.com backslash the afterburn podcast. Until next time.